0: Called challenge 2.0 last year brought the hottest month ever recorded on this planet last July the longest drought ever recorded over the western United States and the heaviest rains and flooding ever recorded over the eastern United States now climate researchers agree that it is a crisis demanding careful science and careful application of technology but there's also an increasing sense that it is also a crisis of faith and values that to successfully confront the challenges of the world outside of us, we must first successfully confront the challenges of the worlds inside of each of us. That then is the topic of this edition of Challenge 2.0. So we're pleased to welcome uh, with us today, Rabbi Olivier uh, Ben-Khayim, Chaim, is a first-time guest. Uh, He is a rabbi at Bed-Olive Meditative Synagogue in Seattle. And uh, Olivier, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, Pastor Dave Brown of Northwest Interfaith Amigos, the founder of Blues Vespers, and we understand he was just named the recipient of the 2022 Keeping Blues Alive Award uh, given by the Washington Blues Society. So Dave, congratulations on that, and thanks for joining us again today. And Imam Jamal Rahman uh, of Northwest Interfaith Amigos, and uh, who is also at Interfaith Community Sanctuary in Seattle, and I understand you're going to be hosting a Blues Vespers service at the sanctuary coming up uh, in June. So again, thanks to each of you for joining us today on uh, this topic that's very central to our times right now. As I was mulling this over uh, before we connected today, it strikes me that each of your faith traditions uh, contain some very powerful references to either the presence of the divine in nature or the relationship of the divine with nature. Are there particular ones that really stand out for each one of you. And uh, Jamal, I might begin with you first.
1: Well, first of all, Jeff, thank you so much for allowing us to be on this program to be among these rectangles of love. As I say, uh, you know, the Quran has uh, many verses uh, glorifying nature. There's a direct verse that says are signs or messages of God in nature then the quran has 114 chapters and a number of chapters starts with the name of an animal or an element of nature the prophet muhammad peace be upon him he said the earth is like your mother honor her protect her but the most astounding verse that uh, I, i think exists in the quran the holy book of muslims is a verse that says The creation of the heavens and the earth is a greater matter than the creation of humanity. But people understand not. Therefore, walk softly, humbly on the earth.
2: Well, the rabbi and I share uh, some foundational text in in scripture. um, And the text, um, the, the Hebrew Bible was Jesus's Bible. And... There are some, in the opening words of Genesis, some powerful images about creation. And I'll, I'll defer to Rabbi Olivier to do that in his answer. Um, but we need to note that the Christian household, the Christian tradition, Jesus, uh, is clearly related to the Jewish tradition. Jesus was a Jewish, Jewish teacher and was shaped by, by, by Judaism and what Christians call the Old Testament, what I call the Hebrew Bible. Um, So we need to make that connection in the Gospels. What's remarkable is you don't have um, detached words. Jesus moves around the landscape and is in particular geographies for particular times of his journey. He pays attention and the Gospel writers pay attention to the land. He goes to the wilderness where he wrestles with what it means to be Jesus, what some call the temptations of Christ. He goes to the riverside. When he was tired, he went, according to the gospel, to a distant away place. The crowds followed him, but he, he went someplace away from civilization. So throughout the life of Jesus and his teachings, you see him being embodied or planted in particularly ge- geographical areas. And the geography mattered to him. And a topic we may explore later is also when Jesus teaches about caring for the least of these, the least of these are most vulnerable to changes in the creation in the environment and most dependent on the natural rhythms of nature. And maybe we'll address that later on.
0: And, and Olivier, uh, what's your uh, perspective on that?
3: Well, I would, I would join with um, Brother Jamal and, and, and Dave in, First of all, thanking you for this invitation and to being here today with you. Jewish faith, Jewish tradition is replete with references to nature. There is, you know, Judaism grew up as an agrarian society. Um, in You know, two, three thousand years ago, the, 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 the livelihood and the survival of our people was completely tied up with the, the ability for nature to grow the food for uh, for survival um you know living in a in a desert kind of place very arid and very harsh um so the the torah itself is replete with references to nature i mean our, our founding narrative is the the wandering through the desert and 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 that wilderness there is always references to our surroundings and the, the for me the, the 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 initial story the, the the foundational story for that is the story of Adam and Eve of course uh, which you know if you really read uh, through those those early verses you, you can find that uh, the Torah defines a related there's a triangular relationship between God mankind humanity and earth which are the three protagonists of the book of Genesis really and especially those early chapters and the triangular relationship is really you have God at the top and then Adam right Adam and earth um, are in kind of a symbiosis relationship at the bottom and from the start of the story of Genesis you see that Adam is set up Adam actually the word Adam itself the, the roots of the word in Hebrew is connected to the word Adama and Adama means earth means soil. So Adam, uh, that that humanity, the, the representative of humanity, Adam's purpose is to pray on behalf of the earth to God, to intercede on behalf of the earth to God for rain, so that the earth could actually fulfill her destiny in putting forth nourishment. And, and vegetation and, and all that is needed to sustain life. And that's really the only role that Adam has at the, at the very beginning, in the first verses of the story of Genesis. That the mouth really, the, the prayerful mouth of the earth is what we were created to be.
0: Now, not only as faith leaders, but also in your individual lives, are there any experiences you've had that have underscored some of these relationships or experiences we have just drawn from uh, your various scriptures or just experiences outside of that anything that you'd care to share with us
3: that's a great question um you know i've had the the, the privilege to uh to live for uh for many many years in the land of israel and uh, one of the one of the core traditions in our prayerful life um, is that um, there is an injunction in our tra- in our practice that we are supposed to say the the quintessential most powerful words of our tradition which is listen israel the eternal is our god the eternal is one in the morning with the rising the first rays of the sun you know it's it really sets you up to to pray outdoors you know to to be on the lookout for for the 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 the, the first rays of the sun rising behind the horizon and i remember having climb uh, masada in the middle of the desert uh through the night and arriving at the summit of masada and finding ourselves, finding myself in the ruins of that most ancient synagogue from, you know, 2,000 years ago and and putting on my prayer shawl and donning the tefillin, the phylacteries that Jews uh, pray in the morning with and just watching the, the sun rise over the horizon, uh, be, you know, behind the, the Jordan mountains in the east of Masada. And to me, that was just... Uh, the most uplifting and heart-opening moment, a prayerful moment, uh, in my life. So that was that's the highlight of my personal relationship to this kind of uh, practices.
2: I'm very grounded these days in the Celtic Christian tradition, which emphasizes experiences of the sacred, mystic experiences. Um, I want to read a short poem by Wendell Berry and tell a very short story about that, how that happened for me, and it's called. The peace of wild things. When despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound, in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light for a time I rest in the grace of the world and am free." Wendell Berry. I've had those kind of experiences where I have felt God's presence, the sacred's presence assure me or be close to me in beautiful natural places on the island of Iona at the Nisqually Wildlife Refuge. And once at the end of the 90s when I was going through a massive amount of changes in my life, I did a hike to Mount Rainier's Fremont Fire Tower. I stopped. I didn't have a camera. I didn't have my little screen to take photographs and document it. And I just stopped and looked out at the massive mountain that was there so long ago. And I felt somehow the presence of God tell me, it's gonna be all right. It's gonna be all right. The world is sacred, rest in the sacredness of the world. It will be all right. And I was empowered by that hike in creation at Mount Rainier to move forward in my life and make choices and changes. That really brought me to where I am uh, today. And some of the good blessings that I've experienced today. So resting back in Wendell Berry's the beauty of creation set me free.
1: Thank you, brother Dave. You know, um, for me, a story that really has always, as I say, splashed in my heart, A story of my father, he was he told, he told us that he was an average student. But when he was once, um, I think, eight or nine years old, He went into a forest, spent some time in nature, and suddenly he felt this energy come over him. He became enveloped enwrapped in this energy and something opened up in him. And from that time on, he became a brilliant student, always at the top of his class. From that energy, he derived from nature. So believe me, I have tried many times going into nature. I've done all those... Rituals are being open, nothing has happened, but I still have faith, I still have faith. <laughs> but I, 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 you know, I, I, my parents are diplomats, always living in cities. My mother loved gardens, and I've, I've always been fascinated that when you plant a seed, you know, the intersection of earth, water, sun, air, you know, it makes a seed grow into a tree. There is a higher intelligence that has really filled me with awe. Just astonishment made me realize there is a higher intelligence. And particularly, I might just add at the end, poetry about nature has made me connect to the divine. For example, you know, uh, this simple poetry about uh, this Christian uh, person who asked the, the tree, oh, sister almond tree, oh, sister almond tree. Uh, tell me about God. And the almond tree blossomed. Hmm. And that, for me, that resonates
0: deeply. There are some people in each faith tradition, and those that don't adhere to any given faith tradition, uh, who don't consider responsibility to the environment uh, an essential part of expressing their faith or expressing their life. Uh, What is your response to that viewpoint?
2: My response would be um, twofold, especially within the Christian household. Um, There are those who believe that the heart of Christian faith is about believing the right things about Jesus so we can go into the other world, which um, the consequences of that is uh, believing that this world is important is secondary. And they also believe so dramatically in the sovereignty of God that they can't believe anything could happen in creation that isn't under God's control. So they deny climate change. Jeff, you asked about uh, responses. In the right context, I I would try to engage in respectful dialogue in the three cups of tea that Brother Jamal always invites people to. Um, But when those positions are fixed, um, it's really hard to move them. From my perspective, I believe uh, the way to counter those that deny the sacredness of creation or deny human responsibility for what's happening in the environment is to make sure that voices like mine and others are heard, that folks know that there are people in the Christian household who see the creation as sacred and holy, who believe that we need to care for it for the next generation. Um, So the way of countering may not be. Debating, but it may be making sure that another perspective is heard in a public square. Mm-hmm. All too often, uh, other perspectives aren't, and the loud climate change deniers are.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just want to add to that uh, very, very briefly that I don't think this is a religious failing, this is a human failing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when because of our human nature because of our greed our selfishness our apathy we become blinded and crippled to the sacredness of nature not that it's not sacred but i don't care because i am focused on accumulation of money uh, prestige uh, success or i am in a very short-sighted way i am obsessively attached to what my tribe says What my political party says for political reasons economic reasons so really it is a human feeling where i'm short-sighted and the elements of selfishness greed and apathy come in
3: Mm -hmm. yeah i I would uh, i would absolutely uh you know second what brother jamal said it's it's all of the above there is a sense that we have we have taken refuge, if you'd like, into the, the, the intellect of, of humanity that we have focused so much on what the mind produces, that we have forgotten the, uh, the importance of the body. And we have in fact neglected the body. We have pushed the body away. We've, we've made the body, our body, our physical body. Um, uh, appearance we've made it um, something to be medicalized something to be dealt with something to be manipulated um to be to be basically kept quiet so that we can live our lives without worrying about it and and that attitude towards our own body has translated really to our attitude with the greater body of of the natural world and we've pushed nature nature has become something we needed to dominate to to control um you know so that it would not to 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 plunder to exploit for our own resources for our own benefits Mm -hmm. and it it, for me it is in this loss of that symbiotic relationship that in fact our most ancient text the Torah um, asks us or reminds us um, to create and honor and hold as sacred and to me that's that's where that's the why you know behind that that What we're seeing as the negating of the importance of nature as part of our spiritual faith,
1: but the Jeff I want to say something very simple and practical, you know i'm from Bangladesh Uh, Bangladesh is a delta Uh, we are in the greatest danger of climate change Mm -hmm. Uh, every year we we are losing land so from my own experience in bangladesh i can tell you it doesn't matter what my theology is what my politics is what my economics is when that is happening in front of our eyes then these things don't matter at all my political affiliation etc etc we have uh, climate refugees Mm -hmm. we are losing land then suddenly you move from what is called from a knowledge of the tongue to a knowledge of the heart that it becomes very real. Then you see in front of you what is happening. And you realize, you know, this is a big problem it, out here. Uh, until it hits my pocketbook,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or until it falls in what is in America called falls in my backyard, until part of Florida begins to sink. We are not aw- awakened to it. <laughs> because we, we don't feel palpably the reality of it.
0: We've seen elements within uh, this conversation, but when we separate ourselves off uh, from the mind uh, and the body or from ourselves and the physical environment in which uh, we all live, uh, what is the cost to that? uh, To us personally and to our ability to relate to and connect and support each other? Uh, any, Any feelings on that? You
1: know, uh, first of all, we are all interconnected Uh, nature is an integral part of us. And if we just see that as a resource, uh, as something to be exploited, we lose that sacred connection. And that's a huge loss. Secondly, I would say that nature is a great teacher. You know, in Islamic spirituality, the mystics say that the holiest of holy books is actually nature. Anything you want to learn about life, you can learn from from nature. Anything. For example, you know, uh, here I am doing work of interfaith. Look at nature. Like, Like the mystics have remarked that the trees, they sway differently in the wind, but they're all connected at the roots whether it's interfaith or diversity, just meditating on nature as a teacher with reverence. That makes me fully understand the power, the majesty, the beauty of diversity. One more example, you know, talking about the biggest problem in religion, here we are clerics, exclusivity. Look at nature. All the rivers flow into the ocean. Jamal, you might be following one river, but don't mistake the river for the ocean. Just this metaphor can open me up to a heartfelt understanding of my need to overcome my bias in religion. So nature is also a great teacher.
2: And I think when Brother Jamal, building on Brother Jamal's comment, when we live in our head, and forget that we have bodies, we grow farther apart from, um, from the other people in the world and especially people from different traditions.
3: It feels to me that we've spent much of the last few hundred years just multiplying boundaries and separations and dissociations. And we've, we've, we've seen how much we can otherize each other. And just because to me it's a reflection of how we have otherized God. We we have met God, this great other, that um, that that it seems. I remember a drawing that my kid brought home from you know kindergarten, where you know with with the help of of his teacher, he managed to 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 paint on a piece of paper. Uh, you know, we pray to God because God is no longer here, and we want God to come back. Something like that. I'm plagiarizing my my three-year-old <laughs> son, but. But I think that's really what 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 has happened is that we've we've multiplied the authorization of everything we've we've made ourselves. Completely isolated further and further further and further isolated and we have we have lost the ability to see the sacred in every moment and one of the thing I love about Jewish tradition, you know there's a joke. Um, if you watch Fiddler on the Roof, there's the joke that, you know, there is in Judaism, there's a blessing for everything, right? And, and the truth is, is much deeper than that. It's, it's much deeper than just a joke. Is that in fact, it's, it's, a, it's a very powerful practice of mindfulness by which every moment and every, every action of each and every one of us is, is, is offering, is being offered as a blessing. As a blessing of recognition that this this little piece of food that you are about to to eat with with gratitude is 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 a divine? Manifestation this this whatever you are blessed with in your life. All of it is is an avenue to see the divine within it to see the sacred within it to see the holy within it and to see each other as well as, as sacred manifestations holy embodiment of that which transcends and infuses at the same time everything
0: uh, there is so much more to say and i would love for us to continue this conversation in a second version of this program so we are going to just put this on pause if we will And uh, thank all of you for participating in this. And uh, we're going to start up this conversation again uh, in next week's edition of Challenge 2.0. Thank you to each of you. And thank you all of you that are watching or listening to this program. And we hope you'll join us for the continuation of this program next week. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed this program, found our conversations to be informative, entertaining and thought provoking. And the vision inspiring of people from different backgrounds who can disagree without being disagreeable, perhaps you might consider supporting our program with a contribution. Your support will not only help our program continue, it will also support the broader efforts of Past to Understanding, our supporting parent nonprofit organization.